the prophet Mormon was given a very interesting charge. Noticing that even at 10 years old that he was a sober child and quick to observe, he is called to use that soberness and that ability to observe, to observe and watch the decline and fall of the entire Nephite civilization. He is to be a silent observer and sometimes active observer to watching the destruction of an entire people. What a charge. And we will spend most of the Book of Mormon reading his comments as he says over and over, and thus we see, because and thus he saw. Join us today for this interesting discussion about observances and the law of witnesses. What are we called to observe and what are we supposed to do about that? Glad you joined us today for this wonderful class. And welcome to another Monday morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, Opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within its pages. And now, on to the class. Okay. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and begin uh, today. Um, I'm hopping over Fourth Nephi. <laughs> read for yourself. It's a quick book, quick read, easy read. Because uh, I wanted to get into uh, Mormon and uh, some of the things that uh, that he is beginning to. Uh, we're going to take it from here. So here, so here we get the the calling, and this is. That we're going to study the Book of Mormon in the Book of Mormon. If it's not already a uh, little hard to understand. Okay, now, I, Mormon, finally, uh, make a record of what I have seen and heard. And by the way, what year is this? Anybody got your... 321 A.D. So suddenly we are now 300 years plus uh, the coming of the Savior. And we know... How that's gone. Now I, Mormon, make a record of the things uh, which I have seen and heard, and I call it the Book of Mormon. <laughs> um, now, about the time that Amron hid up the records unto the Lord, previous record holder, uh, he came to me, I being about 10 years of age, and I began to be learned somewhat after the manner of the learning of my people. That's kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? After the learning, I began to be... Because what, what language did they speak among themselves? Hebrew. Well, we don't know what they spoke. I mean, it could have been, but they over you know, a thousand years, that language could have changed. Just go back and read Shakespeare and see how much language can change over 400 years. Yeah. So normally what we used to see in a phrase like this is the learning of my father's. 
Yes. And this is the learning of my people. And, and so that's kind of like our language today. There's a lot of words that we as adults and older adults, many of us, look at and they mean something different to us than they've been preferred sure. to mean today. Oh, sure. Like every Christmas time, aren't we supposed to be gay? So, so I think he's, it's possible he's actually talking about the current culture rather than the historical learning. I think so too. But I also think there's one other element. If you're going, I don't know what language they were speaking, but if you're going to read the plates and you're going to translate the plates, what language would he have to know? That was Egyptian. Yeah. Well, we know it was written in Reformed Egyptian, and so we don't know if it was like they were looking off of some things that were Egyptian, but probably Reformed Egyptian at the very least that we know. Well, and speaking of speaking of that, um, there's you know memes or jokes or whatever that are going around that in our texts. That that's how we communicate now in texts, and we're we're back to, to yes you. Would that, would, you'd have to translate emoji <laughs> if you're going to go back and read our record. What did this symbol mean? You know, so so, so anyway, um, and I want to jump, to sh- well, I'll go ahead and jump into it just so we kind of put this. Uh, it's kind of interesting that in a sense, for him to be, uh, his father is named Mormon, uh, he's being he's 10 years old and he begins to be learning the manner of his people and, and that means that if he's going to have the plates he needs to be able to read the plates which means he needs to be able to read reformed Egyptian which is not what they would be speaking so there's a sense that uh, even though this is long after Jesus has come there's a possibility of some kind of kind of school of the prophets or something where these kids are being taught dead languages it'd be like being taught Latin or you know or learning how to read biblical Hebrew so that there might be somebody who could then take over the records because not just any kid or any prophet could suddenly start pulling from the records so they've got to know something of the learn so the learning I, I, I think you're right it's the context and the culture but on top of that I think it's also I've got to be able to read the stuff so if he's in some kind of school or some kind of enclave where they would have like like the old Levite cities of where they'd have priests that he's probably in some setting where not only is he learning this stuff but he's showing that he's he's able to read and that he catches Amaron's attention when he's 10 years old picture if you got like a 10 year old grandkid or you're going to walk into primary and you go you know what? When you're 24, <laughs> I'm going to place all the sacred records in your hands because you've got some things about you at 10. <laughs> so so the, the, there's another thing going on. He didn't just play, pick at random. Okay? Uh, yeah? I'm saying those grandkids will amaze you. You've got one granddaughter when she was three years old. Her mom was driving to the mall and she starts reading off the signs. Says, mom, is that what that says? Yeah. And, and you get and, and so what is it that he notices about this 10 year old kid that grabs Amaron's attention he might have known his dad so we, we really like his dad been a state president and everything and so we knew this kid or his dad was 
had some prophetic power, something. But but isn't it interesting? I perceive that thou art, and there's two things here. I perceive that thou art what? Sober, Sober child, number one, and quick to observe. You're sober and quick to it. Where, where other kids might have been like, you know, painting their face with peanut butter or something like that. This is this apparently is a, is a sober child uh, and quick to observe. Now, I think that's... I want to talk quite a bit about quick to observe. Um, therefore... Because I see that you have these two, two particular things. When you're 24, I would, you, would, you would remember the things that you have observed okay, concerning this people. Wow. So remember what you're about to observe uh, when you're 24. And then you're going to take the plates of Nephi unto yourself. You'll leave the place where they are. Uh, they're in the hill Shem. He says it's going to be called Shem. It's in this hill. And it's nearby where the, the, the last battle of the Jaredites happened. And it's also going to be the last place of the Nephites. It's near, Shem is near, near Cumorah. Okay? And that is separate. So it's a separate. You're going to have to go to this place, get these records, and engrave, and engrave on the plates of Nephi all the things that observe concerning this people. Okay? Wow. Okay. Now, here's what I here's what I take from this, guys. Um, Mormon had here is Mormon's charge. He was he was going to start with we got this soberness that he's got. Then, secondly, with this soberness, he's then able to be not just observant but quick to observe. Okay. Now, let me, let me stop for a second on this. One of the things, one of the Hebraisms, 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 is that they love wordplay. They love, uh, and, and the grossest tried example we could come up with, that I, I was thinking about this earlier, is that sometimes in movies we get kind of these dirty sexual double entendres. We're going to say one thing, but it really kind of means something deeper and dirtier kind of thing. And I'm not going to go into a bunch of examples on that. But he, in terms of Hebrew, they would do the same thing. They would use a word that would mean a couple of things. Um, and so... Th- th- Bless your soul. What's that? Bless, Bless your soul. Your yes. Bless your heart. Bless your heart, yes. She, she's ugly as a mud fence. Bless her heart. Okay, yeah, we're not really meaning... Bl- <laughs> she's going to need the help, right? Um, quick to observe. Well, see, so one of them is, is that Nephi, the word Nephi in in Hebrew means uh, goodly or good. But in that in First Nephi 1, we get, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents. So you get this goodly thing that sits in here. This is one of those. Okay? You are a sober child and you are quick to observe. Observe meaning what? You're going to observe. You're going to be watching. You're going to see. You're going to write down what you see. So you need to be watching. But when we talk about somebody is a really good Jew, we say that they are what? Observant Jews. So, observant. 
So I can see that you're a sober child, probably quick to notice things, but also quick to obey, quick to follow. That and it's and and we could go along, we could run a long ways on what it means to be if we're observant. Maybe we learn, we see, but then our behavior is then observant, obedient. There, there's a thing, yeah. Well, I always figured that that implies that you probably have the ability not only to see what's going on, but understand what it means. Because he was taught in the learning of his people. Yeah, I think so. Because you're not just going to not just going to see it; you're going to be uh, trying to put that into context. If, if you understand it, you really grasp what's going on. It's just observing things you got a much more powerful concept you learn you remember you see things how they are yeah I, I think so so that that quick to observe or be observant maybe the fact of being observant may, helps you observe that kind of thing now isn't it interesting that for him then not only being quick to observe he's sober he's now quick to observe then what is he called to do if you see it then you need to do what Testify of it, write it, describe it, witness. Be sober, be observant, and then witness. Okay. Now think about how many times in the Book of Mormon that Mormon the the abridger, Mormon the translator, is right, and he will he will show you Abinadi, or he will show you. Captain Moroni, or he will show you the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, or he will show you King Noah, and then, almost always, then there's going to be a little commentary that says what? And thus we see. see. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. In other words, I showed it to you now, and thus we see. Do you see it? I saw it. Do you now see it? Well, it's more than just seeing, it's interpreting and understanding what is going on. So it's not just recording their actions, it's understanding their actions and why they did that. Right. And so I'm going to, if I've observed it, again, with my learning and my understanding, and, and he's not writing to people of the time, he's writing to us. He knew it was coming. So, so people of the future day, and thus we see... I, here's what I observed. Now I need you to see it. And so I will then testify that God upholds his prophets or God will do this or God will. And thus we see. I, I'm going to observe. Okay. Now, if we... It, always in the scriptures, we're looking at these things and we're saying, okay, here's what they did. What are we supposed to do? How do we move this? How do we roll this forward? What's our responsibility because again, the, the scriptures can just be categories of things we read or it can be a catalyst to behavior change. What's it going to motivate us to do differently when we close the Book of Mormon? Then we stand up and we go about our day. Does it catalyze us to change what, we're, what we will do that day based on what we now have observed? Okay. Now, I think it's fascinating here to then jump to question that I uh, okay okay so here's my question it appears to me that our job with soberness is to get ourselves into a place where we can then observe where we see it 
we observe it, and then we're required to witness. Okay? Why is, why is the law of witnesses? Think about, where, okay, for, for a second. Where are all the places that we have witnesses in, in, in the whole plan of salvation and in the church? And, which is always a fascinating one to me. Okay? I, I was telling Cindy, this, this is where I didn't really have, it's one of those questions I had. Okay, we're going to do an ordinance, right? And it's and and we're going to have it, and it's going to be, be be before God, angels, and these witnesses. Why do we need God and angels if God saw already what happened? Why are we, in addition to that, needing witnesses to something that God has already seen? What is the purposes of the witnesses at that point? Make sure it's correct, like in a baptism. There might be some practical reasons. Abs- yeah. If you have people testifying that have known this is true, then that's more willing for you to understand too, because there's more people saying the same thing. So you think that part of the role of witnesses are then to help understand it, those around. Okay. Why else? Why? why? It's like a child. Uh, you know, your actions speak louder than words. If you're trying to teach them something, if you're a witness, your actions are. Showing more to that person, and what is it? And and what is it that you're witnessing to? Do you think if you're if if your goal is to say, I need my kids, my children to understand some things, or I need them to change their behavior, therefore I'm going to stand as a witness to what? To Christ and serving, service, and loving like as He was. Yeah. Part of it, I know when they changed it so that females could be witnesses. The, the, the shock of that thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, I went to the temple with my daughter, and her daughter got to be one of the witnesses. And I think it brings them closer and emphasizes the love of the eternal family. So you think that there's a change or an effect on the witness themselves, not just on who they're witnessing right. to, but the fact that they observed and that we are and we are a witness. We're a witness and I think it helps strengthen the gospel within us, but I think it brings us closer to the people that we're witnessing for. So there's some power that would come to a witness. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. That's actually an aspect I hadn't thought of. So that's really cool. Yeah. So a lot of times the purpose for a witness is to is to verify that something was done uh, without coercion, that it was truly and faithfully done. Mm-hmm. And in, even in the courts, a lot of times somebody can take advantage of a flaw in the document and you go back to the witnesses and you look at what was the intent. And the intent can stand because they've got witnesses as to what was going on and things like that. And, you know, we oftentimes have ordinances that are imperfect, that are done truly and faithfully. Yeah. And, uh, and they can be ratified if God chooses not to be a Pharisee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I think he did. Yeah, I, it's funny. Uh, odd question, but I saw a guy asking a question online the other day, and, and he's like, 
wait, if if a if a bishop is found guilty of some serious sin, does that invalidate all of the ordinances and everything that okay. and the ordinations he, he he did, right? The Catholic Church just went through this about three years ago. They had a bishop who when he was baptized, somehow there was a record of the baptism and uh, the person who baptized him said, we baptize thee in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and they, the church was going back and saying, everything this guy did from the time he wow. was baptized is invalid because he was never baptized. Because uh, the priest who baptized him should have said, I baptized yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so... You know, people can get really. I know if we if we happen to get the word wrong in the sacrament prayer, <laughs> we just giggle. <laughs> we just giggle. <laughs> Does that like invalidate all of the? Well, the bishop's responsible for that, and and okay, know, but let's say he misses it though. Right. If he misses it, then the ordinance is still valid. That's right. Even though I'm sitting in the audience and I I hear the kids Be, say the words wrong. And I know he said I'm wrong. Yeah. Sometimes I'm grateful that the bishop allowed that this kid who has struggled with uh, learning disability doesn't have to say the prayer over because I, he did it truly and I, I, and and angels are witnessing that that thing was was valid, Alan. So yeah, I'm with you. Five years ago. <clears throat> kind of emerged from a dark previous 10 years. I think that's right about the time we were getting married, wasn't do the, it? Do the math. Right? <laughs> so, uh, and during those, during those years where I was self-medicated, we'll say. The, uh, <laughs> yes. I would go to these, to lots of parties. Yeah. In Utah, you know, the wards are about one and a half square miles, right? Something like that. Uh, yeah. And these kids who were blessed in the sacrament were friends of mine who were with me the night before at the parties. Yes, right. And and I went to, and so as I'm emerging from this, and I'm like, this can't be, right? And I go to the bishop, and I say, I say, you realize that... The, 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 these guys were stoned. These, these guys aren't worthy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm witnessing of this, and he just, you know, like, calm down, you know? They're the voice of the people. The, the ordinance is still good. Yeah. He, you know, as opposed to taking, you know, action. Yeah. I thought it was it was I who needed to kind of soften. Yeah, yeah. So so l l let me tell you another place that I think I see witnesses a lot. Don't we do this like the in our uh, first Sunday TMI meeting? I mean the uh, fast and testimony meetings. <laughs> 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 yes. The thankimony, the trimony, or the or the TMI stuff. Yeah. Um, what what are we aren't we witnessing in in uh, first Sundays? They're supposed to be. The scripture says um, to some is given to know, and some is given to believe on their words. Help I, words English not good for me. But you know, so the witness, some of us are given that gift, but some of us are given the gift to believe that others know. And without that witnessing, on the other hand, and the other part of it is, 
and I'm going to use the TMI here. Um, I wanted my husband to come here and play pickleball, and it took four or five months of me coming regularly. He joins me now, but it took that four months of me coming by myself. And then go, you know, this might be. Don't tell him I told you that this might be a good. And I knew the only way that behavior would change, right? By example. I can't pick him up. I go for a walk every day. And now he's talking about how he might need to exercise. But it's taken five months, and I've been doing it since the fall, of my example for someone else to see. So there's got to be. So sometimes that witness isn't yeah, so, so much what. Multiple it wasn't so much what we. Often may not be what we say as much as it is. Because that's what I'm seeing. It's what you do. <coughs> I mean, the saying's got to matter. I think it's because we're more like that that's why it matters. Yeah, but th- that we need somebody to testify of right. and witness. Yeah, because you've got a witness. I mean, you've heard this. I, I was in church on Sunday. They're telling their personal stories. I'm feeling lifted. I'm feeling that I can go forward uh-huh. because of their witness. Sure, sure. I, I like it. I like it. Cindy? Well, I've never thought about this before, this uh, lesson before, but um, moving away from the church and witnesses... Look in our history books that were taught in school. Go back to the American Revolution and all the history that has been recorded and written since then is a witness or a testament to what happened in order for us to have a free country. And then look at some of the things that have happened in the last handful of years with people saying, oh, but that was wrong. Yeah. This is the way that it now we're going to change history and rewrite history. And the, and the way that people rose up, basically, and said, that's not right that they're doing that. They're messing with our history. Right. And our history is the way that we've been taught all our lives. Because we, yeah, but having to go back and record the, look at the record. Yeah. So we've had witnesses about how things came to pass. Sure. And we don't like it when people are messing with their witnesses. <laughs> no, I, I think that's true. Uh, yeah. You know, you get into witnesses, and one thing we all can remember is that no one is perfect. Yeah. It's not a matter of your perfect, it's a matter of are you perfect enough to be serving the Lord. We had missionaries in our home for many years, and on one occasion, there was one elder that was involved in this behavior. I thought, you know, this isn't what a missionary ought to be doing. We thought, well, we probably ought to give the mission president a heads up. But we didn't do it. Instead, I talked to the district and he said, oh yeah, we're well aware. If there's anything you need to help us, we'd appreciate it. I touched faith with the zone leader and says, oh, we're well aware. If there's anything you need to help increase or we'd appreciate it. Oh, well, okay. If I call him, I'm not going to be able to tell him anything he doesn't already know. At the end of his mission, the last Sunday he was in town, he came over to our place, he and his wife, we had dinner. And at that dinner, the wife told us, she says, Brother and Sister Hale, thank you for on many occasions, it was very useful to me to be able to tell the missionaries, we have never received a complaint from the Hales. <laughs> and I told them at the time, I says, yes, but there's one time we thought about it. The missionary says, yes, and I know which missionary you were thinking about. <laughs> Sometimes, like Mormon, when he was called, he was instructed to wait 
14 years. Just pay attention, wait 14 years before you do anything. Okay, so hold on, Brent. So what is it that you are testifying of? What did you witness, and what are you testifying of? Well, what I'm testifying of, observing things we all should. Yes. When we see things that are not right, you probably ought to consult with the Lord. Yes, right. Right. So your testament was that you, you observed it, but you also saw that it was handled. It was being handled. It was, it was being handled. And for me, jumping into the issue and getting involved probably would have been detrimental versus helpful. That this was maybe best for this, this missionaries. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So the Book of Mormon, <clears throat> back to Cindy's comment, and how they're changing our history and perverting our history. The Book of Mormon is a great saga about people who their history was not true. The Lamanites, yes. the Lamanites had a history and that had been passed true. down to them over time. And they were told, yeah. this is what happened to your yeah. fathers. And, and, uh, and they believed it and they acted on it. Right now, over in Gaza and Israel, there's thousands of people killing each other over history that's not true. Yeah, yeah. And in, in Ukraine and Russia, there's another thousand people a day dying over history that's not true. And perspectives that one person has the ability to believe or do what another person tells them they should do. And, and this comment about how to some is given to testify and to some is given uh, to, to, to believe, believe on, on that. testimony. That is a transitory gift. The prophets have taught us, sure. the brethren have taught us, that if you believe on someone's testimony, that's a good thing. But they've also taught us that it's not possible. Yeah. To go to the finish line, believing on somebody's testimony, yeah. you need your own. Testimony. It's like a preparatory gift. Yeah, right. it's a it's a, a stepping stone. Yeah, Sister Terry, you had a. Okay, no, I think that I think that's true. So, okay, so all of this comes as we observe, right? And if you think about the Book of Mormon as as part of the product of of uh, in a sense Mormon witnessing. He, he is witnessing what he saw and he's going to record what he saw and that was the charge that he was given. There had to be a, a voice that would witness to who? Us. To, to, the, to the, you know, that was going to come thousand years later. Okay? So, so think about, so even, here's another good example. Uh, in in Third Nephi 11, look at what happens. Uh, the Savior comes down, and then he says, "Arise, come forth, thrust your hands in my side, that you may feel the prints of your nails in my hands and feet." Why? That you may know. Okay, there's going to be a knowledge here that I'm God of Israel, the God of the whole earth, and have been slain for the sins of the world. I need you to know something. And this experience that you're going to have, this, this personal experience with me is going to give you some knowledge. Uh, 
And it came to pass that the multitude went forth and thrust their hands in his side, did feel the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. This was a wounded God coming to them. He had the marks of what he had done for us. Uh, and this they did by going forth one by one. And, and, and then he says, and did see with their eyes and feel with their hands and know of a surety and did bear record. Now, I got to think that if, if you have been in the church more than five minutes and you have served in any of the callings that you might have served in, whether it was in nursery, playing trucks with a, you know, a two-year-old or, or primary teaching classes or getting up early morning seminary or something, isn't there a point that you see with your eyes and feel with your hands and know of a surety and bear record that this is what, what I'm doing is critical? I just think that's part of our role is that we're supposed to be quick to observe the effect that it's having on us and, and on others. And then we're supposed to get up in the first Sunday of every month and testify, here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. Here's, here's how this affected me. Okay? Now, um, and, and when all had gone forth and had witnessed for themselves, they did cry out with one accord, saying, Hoshana, meaning what? Hoshana, God is with us. Hoshana, He's here. He has come. This is God. And, and we're going to witness that God came. And as we've been talking about, when they had that experience in 3 Nephi 17, and then he finally leaves, what do they then do? Immediately. They go back to their homes. They go tell everybody, they go tell everybody else. And I, I've got this knowledge now. I just, I'm bursting. I've got to go, I've got to go tell this. It's like when we go see a good movie. What's the first thing we want to do? Go tell people. Now, interestingly enough, most people in any kind of retail situation know that then the statistics bear out that if you go to a restaurant and you really enjoy it, the, the fajitas at Papacitos, I'll tell you, are just amazing. Okay? Ever had quail fajitas? Wait. Wait till fast Sunday. <laughs> and then do it from that. Yes. <laughs> okay. The statistics say we tell five people if, we're, if we have a great experience at a restaurant or something like that. What happens if we have a negative experience? 200 people. Yeah. The, the statistics are 17. But, uh, but it can be far more, especially... Or if I, have, if I have a million followers on TikTok, I may tell a million people that I have a bad experience. Okay. Do we then, are we still bearing witness? I bear witness, Lyle Lovett said, I bear witness that you don't trust any Mexican food north of Dallas. <laughs> any, any witness that uses the word any is false. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm going to, this is what the American people want. All American people want this thing. It says always uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to bear witness that that's what happened. You can take that position, but you also have to say any pizza south of Chicago. So it, <laughs> it balances that. Any, any pizza. And the New Yorker is going to say anything that side of Manhattan stinks. Okay? 
because we have our witness that that anything outside of I, I don't trust any barbecue outside of Texas. It's just, <laughs> just don't I, I bear witness that it's not great stuff. Yeah. Oh, sorry for interrupting you a moment ago, but I've read this a hundred times or more, right? And I've imagined myself being in that situation, and I struggle with thrusting my hand into his side and feeling his hand. Wait a minute! I already know. I, you know, I don't want to. I don't have to know more than that. Thrust my hand into your side. I want to kneel before you and worship my God. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I mean, I could see. Uh, I can see going up and kind of looking at his hands, but it just yeah. it seems like that's a, a level of I'm I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, one of the things uh, I had a, a group in in uh, uh, I guess it was I guess it was last year in in Rome, and we're and we're just marveling at the the we're in, we're in the Vatican, and I'm just we're marveling at the Sistine Chapel. Wow, this is so cool. Uh, and look at this, and then, and then I found, and then you come out of the Sistine Chapel, and you're stepping out into St. Peter's Basilica, and I'm always, and, and I'm, I'm one, I always stand there, and I'll, as they're coming out of, they're amazed by the Sistine Chapel, and I go, okay, now, guys, I want you to come out of here, and I want you to go straight right, right down there, because right in, right there, I think, is the most beautiful statue ever created. Go, go, you know, and I'm going to testify. This is amazing. Go, and and I send them to the uh, Pieta with Mary and Jesus and stuff like that, which to me is just like I still get emotional when I think about that, right? But I bear witness. It's like this is awe-inspiring. Go, and I just want to testify that it's cool. So, but I want you to go have your own experience with the Pieta because it is so cool. And and it's, and everybody will go and they'll have their own experience. I'm like, this is really cool. And I go, no, no, it's really cool. What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is amazing. Out of a single thing of rock, nobody does this. Okay, and but it depends on where you are with with that with that whole process, right? Uh, but we want to bear witness to things that we think are uh, awe inspiring, goose pimply, or whatever. Okay, because we want them to have their own experience. Okay. Um, now, here's what I find interesting about this. Uh, changing gears just a little bit. Um, we have it set up in our church now, where we're going to we're going to teach people the gospel. The they're coming into the church. We have our lessons we go through, and then we always used as missionaries. We always dreaded like the commandment lesson. They're loving it. It's good. They're feeling the spirit. It's nice and everything. And then we're like, okay, do you like your coffee and tea? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you living with your girlfriend? Okay. <laughs> uh, you guys are doing pretty well financially. <laughs> it's like a boom, 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 boom. You can't do this. You've got to do this. Uh, you really enjoying uh, that restaurant on Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so we'd go through the here's what you can do, can't do, and stuff like that. And, and, but you got to be doing all these things before you can get baptized. Well, we can't get baptized. It's like the story I've told here a number of times as a new missionary, and, and the, the elder saying to me, let's go over and visit this part member family. 
Uh, they both come to church, but she's not a member. The, the man's wonderful, awesome. What's wrong with her? And my, and my companion in England goes, well, she can't give up the fags. Mm. <laughs> Cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. Well, I have a different, okay. That's weird. Um, but, but there is this, but we have our, our different set. Now, the mission, now the, uh, in the Book of Mormon, it appears that their, their baptismal interview and baptismal questions were different. <laughs> right? So here's Alma's baptismal interview. Okay? If, now, they're there in the land of Helam, at the waters of Mormon. You know, we, okay, we're going to get baptized here. Now, and now, as you're desirous to come into the fold, yeah, we want to join. We want to come into the fold of God and be called His people. Yeah, okay. The desire is there. We've observed that you guys seem to be pretty good people, and, and we can see this. Uh, oh, really? You want, you want to join with us? Cool. Uh, now, are you willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light? See, if, if I got to be head of the church, this would be our baptismal thing, right? Are you willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light? Yeah. Are you willing to mourn with those that mourn? Yes. Okay. Um, then comes the third one. And you guys know, what's the third one? Comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And then what's the last one? Stand as a what? Yes. Stand as a witness of God at all times and in all things that you, in places that you may be in. In other words, yes, take care of one another and your responsibility and calling now is to be a witness. Of what? Of God and His goodness. See, God gets done creating the whole world and then what does he do at the end? And then he declared, then he witnesses what? It's good. It's good. We, in other words, our responsibility is to bear witness of God's goodness. And that he follows through. The, the title page of the Book of Mormon will tell you that the Book of Mormon bears witness that God keeps his promises. We're to bear witness. That is, witnessing is kind of what we're, what we're called upon to do, specifically about his goodness. I would like to just circle back. Um, I agree with the comment that the brother in the back said about not needing to feel the presence of the spirit. We're sitting as I'm sitting here <clears throat> saying, "Me, um, maybe those people needed to have that transcendent experience that only could come." of touching the Savior. If something maybe. maybe came out of Him sure. into you as a recipient of touching Him, would it then allow me to be a witness to my children, my grandchildren? So for that... I, held, I touched His hand. Years, they're now teaching from an experience that yeah. was the a worshipful one. Yes, we all want that. Mm -hmm. But perhaps... They needed the Savior needed them to have a much more impactful 
of his spirit coming from him to me because I touched him. Yeah, and, and the effect that it had on you. Because I think that's, that's part of what we're supposed to be doing in our testifying. I test Because we'll say, I testify, I know that Jesus is the Christ and stuff like that. But I don't know if, if we're as good at saying, I know that Jesus is the Christ and here's what that's done for me. Here's how I'm different. How, how, here's how I've changed. This is how... I mean, so, sometimes, like our, our own lives... Uh, or alcoholism or whatever it is, we're saying, I'm different. I've been changed by this person. And isn't that what the special witnesses of the Twelve have to have to be able to be those special witnesses? So now he has just made all of those 2,500 special witnesses. Yeah. In reality, yeah, he was here and we saw and it wasn't conjured up or anything like that. Yeah. And also, I think, testified that he had a body. He, I mean, he had just come down from... Oh, good point. Good point. They could have thought that he was a spirit. But they got... Do you think maybe they needed that th- to change? Maybe their thinking would have been witness to them. Yeah, it was something. I mean, that, that's an added layer. I hadn't thought of that. So, so, some parts of... parts. You're right. Because some parts of their people would have still believed in... Uh, the traditions of Korahor and Nahor and some of the others who just said God's a spirit and he'll always be a spirit and he's not physical. And that was part of the battle. That was actually... Like the religions today say? Yeah. Yeah, it's still out there. But that was part of the thing that uh, uh, Alma's son that, that went off the rails on his mission. Corianton. Corianton was kind of a Korahor believer that God was a spirit. So, no, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Um, although, isn't it interesting, um, the, uh, the, the Chosen points out, uh, t- shows an incident uh, that, fr- that is coming from the Bible of the believer, uh, of the Gentile, who's going to say, uh, I have a child that needs to be healed. You don't even have to be there. <laughs> you know, I'll come with you. I don't have to go with you. Or you don't have to come with me. If you'll just say the word, I believe from a distance, remotely, by Bluetooth or whatever, you will heal my son and it will be done. And Jesus' response is, wow. <laughs> I don't get this in Israel. That is amazing. That you would believe that that would happen. I don't even have to be there. And then the man goes home, goes to his wife. I already know what happened. Oh, it's amazing. I know. I know what happened. Because I, I knew what was going to happen before I walked in the door, and it's going to be really cool. Okay? Well, if we have that witness from somewhere, uh, we're going to recognize that we're changed by all of this. So, all right. Uh, one last, one last uh, point on this one. So why is the prohibition against bearing false witness so big? Like, wow, that's one of the big 12, big 10, right? Can't bear false witness. What is the problem with bearing false witness? Well, you're influencing people by saying something that's false. Yeah. They're believing you because you're a witness. Yeah, and then what does that do to their faith and trust? Right. Yeah, yeah. If you've, if you've dealt with somebody that, that has a lying problem, trying to have them 
have people regain that trust in, in your witness is hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Father is the Father of lies. Yes, He is, right? And and that He He's intent on bearing false witness. Oh, that is a great point. Great point. Okay. So, what do you do when you realize that witnesses are unreliable? <laughs> oh. I, I always just go, okay. Trust equals time plus consistency. <laughs> and you can't say. I, I think in law enforcement training, they they go through a lot of exercises where events happen and then people are asked to uh, witness to what they saw. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, tremendously unreliable what the witnesses see compared to what they think they saw. Oh, there's no question. And yet our court system still uh, validates uh, whatever the what, what, what a witness may is. say. And then, but if I'm going to undermine that from the other side, like a defense attorney, I have to undermine your credibility so we can't trust your witness somehow. I've got to, I've got to tear your either your character or your judgment or something so that we can't trust your testimony. Sure, but now when you have a witness who's observant witness, then that adds a, mm. a tremendous amount of credibility. When somebody, for instance, the witnesses to the Book of Mormon, the plates, when they get to actually examine them, rather than just say, "Oh yeah, I remember, I saw those things," oh, and yeah, then they're called on to witness the. Oh, guys, I, I a level of credibility. I, well, you, you bring up a good point. I am, I am frankly amazed at the mental and intellectual gymnastics that go in, in the critics of the church to try and find a way to undermine three witnesses and then eight witnesses that saw that where, where one sees plates and angel and hears a voice and the others get to just hold the, hold the plates physically and the gymnastics that they try and go try and somehow try and say these guys are unreliable is, is just frankly to me it's the most amazing part of people that try and attack the church by attracting 11 witnesses most of which finally left the church and have no reason to hang on to this but the, but they're saying and and what was David Whitmer who never came back to the church he never he never, he never cha- and and what did he have carved on his gravestone <laughs> I never yeah, it was like I, 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 I never, I never denied. You know, I saw what I saw an angel. Yeah, and and he gave, and we know that he gave some fifty some odd um, interviews to newspapers and stuff like that. That says I saw what I saw. I may have disagreed with Joseph Smith on this and that, but I saw what I saw. The plate he had the plates. I saw the plates. I saw an angel. I heard the voice of God. I saw it. And they're going, well, I think Joseph used like, like, 
like a, a hypnosis thing. And he had him kind of in a state of trance. Really, guys, come on! I mean, they're just uh, they're just trying to somehow undermine them because witnesses that are observant and consistent are really hard to dislodge. But how many of us focus on the three witnesses and the eight witnesses? I mean, the only witness that I really care about is the one witness. The yeah. Yeah, and isn't that it? So at the end of the day, the, the Book of Mormon itself says, you gain a witness. You, you're going to be your own witness of this thing. I, I think that, and you're right, that, that isn't part of what we do normally. You'd say, yeah, but three guys saw this and eight guys touched this, and which is actually still a pretty good... In fact, the Book of Mormon itself, we were talking about this the other day, the Book of Mormon says, what is the greatest witness before you even pray about it? Moroni 10.3 is going to say you have a great witness and it's what? what? The great things that God has done from the, from the creation of the world up until the moment you read these things. That's, that's verse 3. You've had a witness. The scriptures, the Bible, the lives of the, the early Christians... Although those are witnesses that says God is good and He loves His people, and now you're the last one on the moment that day that you read this, you are the last witness. It's about witnesses. Okay, not fun. That switches from read to receive. Yeah, you'll receive these things. Yes, you receive not just reading, but it's you're somehow. I think that's a great point, Jim. Okay, so. So here's going to be so so Mormon now has this responsibility to be soberish, observerish, and testifier. Okay, and look at how he executes that thing. I now have a responsibility. And it came to pass that I be in eleven. So the next year. Now, I was carried by my father into the land southward, even into the land of Zarahemla. From that we know that Zarahemla sits here. What big city was north of Zarahemla, for those who know your geography? Bountiful. Where the temple was. Where the temple was. Um, and, and again, I'm enough of a Mesoamerican believer guy, although the Peruvians are really working hard on me to say. Uh, but um, that it's interesting that one of the things that they have found is they've uncovered all these Mayan cities and Aztec cities and stuff like that, that so many of them have these large fortifications around them to, def to defend them, especially when you get down to the southern part of Mexico. But there is a city in Mexico, ancient ruins, where men became gods. The, the name of the city is men become gods. And it had no defensive fortifications around it whatsoever. That city is Teotihuacan. The big one in Mexico City had no defensive things around. And it was a place where men became gods. And so you walk down the valley of, or the, the avenue of the gods to get to the big uh, pyramid. So it's possible that it's one of those things that Book of Mormon scholars look at when they think that Mormon might have been raised in kind of a city of priests or something so that he was spotted early, he was trained to read, he was being prepared, but now, it's, now the time has come for him to observe and he's not going to observe what's going on 
in, in maybe an enclave city like Bountiful, where have they got to take him? They got to take him down to the big city. New York. Yeah, they got to go down to New York. In this case, we're going to go down to Zarahemla. So they're going to carry him. I was carried by my father into the land southward, down into the land of Zarahemla. And he starts to observe at 11. And what does he see? There's no gift from the Lord. And the Holy Ghost did not come upon any because of their wickedness and unbelief. Wow, this is, wow. Little, little kid, big city. And I had now been 15 years, so in, in the next little four years, I'm being of somewhat, what? Sober mind. Therefore I was visited of the Lord and tasted and knew of the goodness of Jesus. So now he's got a testimony. Now, who else was visited of the Lord when he was 15? <laughs> yeah, probably uh, had an effect on Joseph while he's translating this, I would imagine. Therefore I was visited of the Lord and tasted and knew of the goodness of Jesus. Now, if you know the goodness of Jesus, what are you supposed to do? If you've got a sober mind and you're observing, now what are you supposed to do? Testify. The testifying comes next. So what does he try? Well, yeah, I did endeavor <laughs> to preach unto this people, but my mouth was shut and I was forbidden that I should preach unto them. And it came to pass that in that same year there began to be a war against the Nephites and Lamanites. Not that, notwithstanding, I being young, was enlarged in stature. Therefore, the people of Nephi appointed me that I should be their leader, the leaders of armies. We go, well, that's a jump. Okay, that is a jump to go from, okay, he, shows, he comes into town at, at 11 for you, and he's trying to preach and he knows the goodness of God and he tries to preach and he gets shut down so that they know here's this kid coming from probably from one of the, the enclave cities or something like that. And he's here, he's preaching to us. We, we think he's stupid. We're not going to listen to him, but we're going to make him the head of our army. It doesn't say that he made any physical interaction or preaching. Yeah, it's it said a, that he wanted to be right. I did endeavor, yeah, and what that meant. And and so for me, it's always meant that he wanted to go out He's there anxious and to the Holy Spirit told him, nope, that's not your job. The, I think somehow they knew, that, though, that this kid was special. They knew he was an honorable, ethical Yeah. So, so why would you take this honorable, ethical kid and make him the head of your armies? He's the only one you can trust. Traditions have it that, uh, that they have the prophet lead their armies. And if we have a righteous guy, whether we agree with his politics or his religion, but when we have a righteous guy at the head of our armies, what happens? Good things. Good things happen. We usually win. Right? They contact God to find out what they're supposed to do. Or at the very least, we just win. That's true. <laughs> at the very, he may, we, we may not believe that he contacts God, but at the very least, we know we win when we have a good guy as our head. So, so this might be like one of the only... Remember this family, Mormon's family, that came down from Bountiful. They're down here. They got this kid. He's 15. He seems like a really good kid. What do we need? Good luck. good luck charm. Yeah, <laughs> we need we need a good guy to, to lead the army up here so that we will now win. Okay, um, so th th that's right. I think that's that's interesting. That's probably 
Uh, and I being young, I was large in stature. Okay, he's a big kid. So was the original Nephi. But, but uh, therefore, the people of Nephi appointed me. I should be a leader of armies. Okay. Um, so I. So from now, what we're now what we're going to get with Mormon is is his job. It, the calling he's been given is to observe. My job is to observe, and then. Now, now he's still 10 years away from going up to the land shim and pulling out the records that he needs to ride on. He's still, he's got, he's still got a decade away. So what's he going to observe in the next 10 years? Wars. Yeah, just deprivations and wars. And, and he's going to see the results of what happens. Uh, yeah, he's watching all of this thing. This, this is like a dystopian movie just unfolding here. It's the end of all things. Uh, and he, he's going to have what uh, Adam Miller calls uh, divine discontent. <laughs> divine melancholy. That he just, he says, I, I led them, but we were without hope. I love them, but I don't have a lot of hope that anything is going to change here going forward. Uh, now, I, I like that idea of the uh, divine melancholy simply because in a sense isn't that what uh, it's one of the things that Hugh Nibley was referring to and Hugh Nibley said that the Book of Mormon was written by a lot of old worried men because <laughs> <laughs> they knew what they were seeing and they knew what was coming now my question is if we are witnesses and we're observant are we in a position to have divine melancholy? To see what's coming and know what's coming. And I know that we pray that things will get better, but what do we know? They're not going to get better. They're going to get worse. We know what's coming. And that in a sense, we end up being what Mormon was. We have to, be, we have to observe the decay. We've got to observe. We've got to love them. And know what's coming, which is which is incredibly hard. Yeah. This is, I guess, cumulative over today, but I think of the rules and the laws and the commandments we follow are the preparatory, and then when the witness, it changes us. You know, they were able to feel the hands and the feet yeah. of Christ, and it changed them. That's the secondary part of the gospel to be changed. So that we can become like him, which makes the false witnesses so dangerous because it stops us from changing and going back to the preparatory. And it's hard to be a witness seeing these things changing us, knowing what's coming. What's coming and that we can't change other people, you know, that some people are beyond. Yeah. That that's why that's why I, I'm just fascinated by watching what President Nelson is doing in terms of outreach to the world. That says, I mean, for for so often, we've always thought that our job in the world was to like give them Book of Mormons and convert them to the gospel and stuff like that. More and more, as this gap increases, maybe the thing that we have as members of the church more than anything is just our goodness that we have a chance to be a voice that there is to, to observe and push back a little bit about what we're seeing. That's why I think we're watching in interfaith kind of things. We're watching this. It's like Alma's, Alma's that you put up there. It's all the <clears throat> Alma's interview. 
to be baptized. Are we going to comfort those that stand in need of comfort, knowing that sometimes their actions caused it? Yeah. As we are witnesses of today, as we you know report it in our journals or we share on social media, and we see what's happening. Not only not only are the witnesses of the horrors around us, but of the great of good things miracles. Yeah. Of good things. And maybe we're witnessing that good things still happen. This, so that we are definitely just witnesses of God and His I like that. That maybe there's a little bit of a light in everything else here that says good things still happen. I, I, I really like that. Thanks. So in, in 16 here it says he endeavored to preach to the people but his mouth was shut. He was forbidden. Uh-huh. But then as their general or their leader of their people, he still taught the gospel <coughs> principles that he was able to pursue. Yeah. And, and I think so often we look at, at our attempts to share the gospel and we set a standard of we want to give someone the fullness of the gospel. Yeah. And and that's a great standard. There's nothing wrong with that. But anytime that we help someone to find peace through the gospel or to uh, embrace any aspect of the yeah. gospel. Yeah. They're growing. That's a success. I, and we need to recognize yeah, we would like more success, but we need to recognize that we're having success. Boy, I think that's true. I think that's true. And that's why I say, I think as the gap widens between righteous and wicked, we are. that's why there are other people, and I've mentioned them recently, where we get other scholars coming to BYU or something like that saying, you Mormons got something that the world needs. Not necessarily they need to be reading the Book of Mormon, but just be peacemakers. Just... Help us get through the, all the polarization and help us not be as as contentious. I think that's it's interesting that we're being seen as that. So, uh, all right, good stuff. Any uh, any final comments on on our job as as sober, observant witnesses? Yeah. You you mentioned President Nelson. I was just thinking. Don't you think the fact that he has announced so many temples mm-hmm. all over? world yeah that makes those people there become better witnesses because then they can make their covenants with god yeah i remember i think it was truman madsen that talked about at the time that the provo temple was being built and by the way it's now being it's being torn down this week i think this week this week or next week uh to be replaced by a different but anyway he said at that moment he said when the temple was announced it was going to go on Temple Hill where everybody in Provo always knew that spot was going to be intended for a temple. He says, this valley is now different. This valley will, will be forever changed because we now have a temple in our midst. You brought up the, uh, the, old, or the Book of Mormon baptism interview and you pointed out how it's different but you didn't point out how it's different. And there's a lot of Latter-day Saints, including even general authorities, who think that that baptism interview is the covenant that we make when we're baptized. So did you were you going to contrast that with the, what I, we currently make or interview not, for? Not, not yet. Okay. We'll have a discussion on that one. Um, 
But but yeah, I, you know, I like that idea of the uh, the, the the temples. I mean, I, I'm amazed. Even our in even our recent trip to Peru, and we go to little out places like Puno, out, out near Lake Titicaca. They're getting a temple. We go down to a really kind of chaotic place uh, uh, right on the Amazon. Guess what? Iquitos. They're getting a temple. You know, just thinking what what a temple in the midst of some of these places would do for that area uh, is is one of those ways that says, if nothing else, it's just a beacon of goodness that that will be in, in that midst. So anyway, um, bearing my testimony that we're supposed to be, uh, that we have a divine responsibility, even as we observe everything around us of the goodness of God. And uh, that's quite a responsibility. And I leave that with you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah, let's see. Cindy, could you give us a closing prayer? And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.